didn't see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot, paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. The best squawk you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black, Black Cat, Cat Report. See you on the other side. Sailing the high seas, a patch of red on the horizon glints over the top of the wheel, while the deck is full of cats scurrying around and attacking every little eye patch they see, while the captain of the ship pulls out his Blackberry and calls his lawyer about how to escape the coming litigation that the other pirateers are bringing against him for burning down their boats and stealing their insurance money. If this was confusing to you, good, because I was just as confused writing it. <laughs> I'm so confused. Yes. Yay. Joey, what the hell is going on? (laughs) That's what I said, too. Welcome to the Black Cat Report and our episode on people who fake their deaths. Oh, man. That's awesome. I'm Joey, your host for today, and with me is the Bontiferous Betsabe. Hola. Gilandrius Gil. Yo. And Coniferous Selena. (laughs) Carnivorous, Cruciferous. Hi. <laughs> Luciferous, Selena. <laughs> Whoa, it's got to be an alliteration. Whoa. Alliterations only. Today, we're going into the wide world of celebrities. Well, they aren't celebrities, but just people who have faked their own death. One or two you might have heard of, or some you might have not. We go all the way from the 1600s to the 2010s. For as long as there has been loot to plunder... There have been people faking their own deaths. And we'll start with our first member of the I Got Caught Club, Timothy Dexter. So random. <laughs> I'm yeah. so stoked about this shit right now. Born in Massachusetts in 1947, Timothy Dexter was born to a poor farming family. His grandparents had immigrated to the United States from Ireland. At the age of eight, he started working on the family farm as a laborer. So just working with his parents' farm, like usual at that time let's just say he was on the road to being a poor farmer just like his parents before him and their parents before them the road was laid out for him to just be another peg in the board but timothy had other ideas he had higher aspirations and wanted to better himself like most people of the time he dropped out of school at age 14 he decided it was time to make his move he moved to the He's booming going to Broadway. He's going to Broadway. He, he... <laughs> going to Broadway. <laughs> he moved yes! to the yes. He moved to the booming metropolis of Charlestown, Massachusetts. Not to be confused with Charleston, South Carolina. So he moved to Charlestown, Massachusetts, which was named for King Charles the First. I do want to go off the rails for a moment and say King Charles was beheaded. Um. Because he dissolved so the parliament. Mad. Yeah, he, he dissolved the parliament and believed in the divine right of kings, which meant he was <laughs> ordained by God and all that he did was approved Oof. by God, blah, blah, blah. Big, just like some oof. customer. Yeah, just like some customer ordering a double venti mocha frappuccino with half-calf hazelnut pump and two extra shots of espresso at Starbucks. He believed he was always right. So that was him. Or a certain, you know? a certain orange old man that seems <laughs> to find himself at podiums for some reason. Yeah happens might have been banned from twitter at some point yeah i feel like this is an outside joke that i don't get trump you don't know who that is 
I don't go outside. <laughs> well, trumping that. Well, now that I've sufficiently thrown us off the track, let's throw these wheels Speaking back up. Con artists. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> Timothy had just turned 14 and he was ready for the trip to the port town of Charleston, Massachusetts. So mm-hmm. at this time, he arrived with basically no money, no clothes, no new clothes. He had a pair of clothes, no job, and no prospects. <laughs> no clothes. Yep. He was naked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, yes, we have we failed to mention so far. In. <laughs> we failed to mention so far. His last name was McVeigh, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> that comes out later. He lived a few lifetimes. Well, he was just a poor boy from a poor family trying to move away from his spare life of his monstrosity. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a coherent nice. sentence. <laughs> yep. He eventually found a person to start training him as an apprentice in tanning. No, not the kind of spray tanning you see on Instagram. A tanner was a person who salvaged and prepared the hides to turn into leather, also turning mm-hmm. the hides of animals into leather. Um, Timothy apprenticed for seven whole years to become a master tanner. What? A long time. <laughs> nice. He, he yeah. apprenticed for Dean seven years. He was also something of a tanner. Something of a tanner himself, mm. I believe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once he was finished with his apprenticeship, his employer gave him a brand new suit. As was the custom nice. of the time, it was called a freedom suit. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. It was made of leather. Yeah, it was made of leather. All leather suit. He fit right in in Texas. (laughs) The wonderful, aspiring mind that he was, he decided he wanted to build his own business as a tanner, as you would from becoming a, uh, being apprentice tanner. Again, he wanted to build his own business, but he was left with no money, no home, one set of clothes this time, and also no real prospects. So he had his freedom suit, Mm. And he was just walking around in his freedom suit being like, wow, I'm so free right now. I have, but I don't have anything, so I can't do anything. So he decided the one thing that he had was a freedom suit and it had to go. <laughs> so he sold it what? for eight. He sold it for eight dollars and 20 cents. Good money. That's it? Which in today's I mean, that was, oh, that's, Yeah, that's that $1,700. Like $14 million back then. No, no, or at least five hundred. Yes, I'm pretty sure the Louisiana purchase was cheaper than eight dollars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I will actually Google this. He used that money to move to a neighboring town called Newburyport. They were very wow. in- with <laughs> with eight dollars. He moved to a new town. Yep, support and life change. The wrong time. Yeah. And seventeen sixty seven. He he took that eight dollars and moved. So I looked at this town and the most exciting thing there is to do there right now is to Mm. gawk at the Plum Island lighthouse or go stare at a random (gasps) pink house. (laughs) Within a year of moving here, Timothy had got land and he gone and got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fake he was easy. Fake it yep. till you make it. Yep. So when he young. moved, yeah. When he moved to New, he's twenty-two. That's he's only young. twenty-two. 
He's 22. Well, it, it's this time in the 1700s. He might not live till 50s, 60s. So he's No, only, this still you know. happens. I have many patients that come up and they are like way younger than me. And they're like, my spouse is my emergency contact. And I'm like, it's like you're 19. <laughs> no. I don't know. I guess they love each other and stuff, which is good. But Some ooh. people do, you know. I'm just kidding. Some That's good. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. Mr. Dexter married a woman named Elizabeth Frothington, who was eight years yeah. older than him and had four Ooh, children already, which was not yeah. very common. <laughs> yeah, she had four kids, too. So but wow. she had lots and lots and lots <sighs> of money. I knew I knew what it was as soon yep. as he said that. I was like, ooh. He yep. saw dollar signs. He saw every head in that Sugar mommy. Was mm-hmm. a dollar sign. Yep. She he didn't care. So her her Elizabeth's original husband had a very successful leather shop. And Ooh. she Yep, right. Same same You'll job. You'll never live leather up mama. to him. You'll never be as good as he was. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He'll never spank me like he did. <laughs> With the leather paddle. And had left her a lot of money and also an estate. So she also had a big Full estate. leather closet. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, huge leather closet. Uh, he was a leather fan, is what I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. Once married, Timothy moved into the large estate, of course, in Boston. He set up shop in the basement of the estate, selling many things like whale blubber, hides, okay. and what I can okay. only suspect is mouse skin trousers, because they called them mouse hide trousers. So Interesting. Must have a lot of God, mice. that's an interesting. That is a very interesting way to deal with an infestation. Yep. Like you might, even if there's 400 mice in your house, you might be able to make one pant leg. Yep. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just I don't the understand. The fucking leather game is fucking intense, man. <laughs> yeah. You have to have your niche. I guess he found it. So Elizabeth started a shop that sold notions. So, if you Wait, don't know, no- notions are with notions. <laughs> no, <laughs> notions are things like buttons, sewing kits, fabric, and uh, anything like that. Yeah, just like little notions. You get the notion to sew is kind of the idea that they hmm. they went behind it. Yeah, and what and is it's that cute little shop. Super quaint. I would like to know if you got the notion. Uh, they wanted to sew, I guess. The notion to sew. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but like with their wiggle like bits. The yeah, with their, you know, yeah. We are an explicit podcast, so I do believe you could say wiggle bits. Dexter and Elizabeth both worked hard throughout the Revolutionary War years and saved up a lot of money. Tim, I, I'm actually going to call him Tim now because it's much easier, was wondering <laughs> where so he could... There's so many holes in these coats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was very, she was very good at sewing. So Tim was wondering where he could put his money to go from just comfortably rich to super rich because he that was really... Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to get more money. And he didn't like that his neighbors believed that he was a just a dumb country bumpkin who was poor and his family was poor. So they decided, these these neighbors, these rich neighbors of his, were like, you know what? Let's get together and play some tricks on him. So they told him to invest all of his money into continental dollar bills. So at the time, during the Revolutionary War... The government decided they're going to start investing money into continental dollar bills, which is basically the currency Mm -hmm. at the time. And so 
they thought the the neighbors thought that he would lose all his money all his money and eventually have to move away you know mm-hmm. so that's so uh, terrible like how old are these people like this is so doesn't high matter school. they're rich yeah they, this is rich their people life people aren't mature yeah. This is literally so all they have time. Yeah. Yeah. They He's never had to, to wait now. for anything. They're not mature. Yep. It's their joke. So, yeah. So, during. <laughs> Let's ruin at- his life. Exactly. Their town is literally He's named poor. after he a king. It. Wait, is he still in Charles Town? Is that right? Uh- no, he's in Newberry right now. No, I actually is in Boston right now because he moved with his wife's uh, his house. So obviously there's a lot of rich people there at the point at that time. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> after the Revolutionary War, instead of him going broke, Congress decided to make good on the dollar bills. So he was buying them basically like for nothing because almost like a loan to the government to pay for the to pay for uh, the yeah, and so he, he he became even bonds. he even became more rich, laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Sorry, I did want to say this is starting to play out like one of those scenarios, like one of those cliches where like the group of people are like, "We're gonna get him," and everything they do just improves that person's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, he still <laughs> didn't have the respect of his peers, <clears throat> so they still thought you know he was. That old country bumpkin that came up from nothing. What could so, possibly know about class and being rich? Oh, 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 ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to build some ships. So he mm-hmm. built two ships named Mhitabal, which I don't know why, and Congress. Oh, yeah, Mhitabal. He is dumb. Yeah. That's and then, not a word. And then Congress. <laughs> so I guess he could say that he owned Congress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty that's actually pretty witty i was gonna yeah, say yeah. like it makes sense congress just like basically voted at the start of the country to be like money baby and yep. like from a bunch of fucking money so he's like yeah congress bro like this you know what i'm saying he's the only one that can make congress move <laughs> so again pissed off at the pissed off at timothy old timothy and timothy. trying to play more tricks on him the other rich dignitaries kept giving him, in quotations, bad advice, which I'm quoting right now. So the next advice they gave him was to to sell bed warmers to the tropical West Indies. So tropical West Indies, as it sounds, is a very hot place. So he did it. Oh my and God. his ship's captain sold them to the woman there, and he made a huge profit. Huh. Like, wow. As in, like, the Caribbean? Yes, as in the Caribbean, because they want they still wanted the beds a little hotter there, and he sold the captain yeah. that drove him down there sold all the bed warmers. So the bed warmer is just like a kind of like an oven thing that you you heat up and you yeah. put it underneath your bed and it warms the whole bed up. So instead of you know getting into a cold bed, you get into a really warm bed. And he they is thought right it was with the gods. He knows what's yeah, going on. There was another one that I didn't mention here, but I'll mention it now. They told him to buy coal. And so, because they were like, oh, coal. <laughs> no one will ever need this. <laughs> and so coal was. Coal, <laughs> and so coal was like, at this point, like, it was like available everywhere. And then, yeah. and like, it was super cheap. It. It, it was super cheap. And so he spent all of his money into coal, shipped it to the mm-hmm. UK. As, as they oh. were. As they were on the water, they had a coal strike, 
and there wasn't coal anywhere around. So he sold it like hotcakes, and because everybody wanted it, they needed it. His ship arrived just in time, and he made spookus of money off of that. So that oh was another God. thing. So going along with more that he actually still was amazing for, they told him to his stupid rich dignitary friends, oh, why don't you take wool mittens and sell them in the <laughs> tropical in Indies? And he was like, well, okay. He'd so, Why don't you attach googly eyes to rocks and sell them in the desert? <laughs> oh, and literally, he took wool mittens, took them down to the tropical Indies, and on the way to Siberia, Asian merchants would buy them to sell them in Siberia. So again, he made an un- another bundle of money off of it. Because this these is guys just, just kept... so ridiculous. It's just they kept giving him these <laughs> ideas, and he's like, all right, none of you are doing it, so I might as well. What the fuck was his wife doing the whole like this whole time? I know. By the way, she no, she was working in Notion. Yeah. She opened her store, oh, so she was working right. in right. that store. Yeah, and so she still had and it at this point. Her husband's a breadwinner at this point. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're both winning that bread. They got a full on bakery going. Like, well, he flipped it yeah. too because couple? he flipped it because she had the money at the beginning. And then she was helping him get open the leather shop. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he was like, I'm not satisfied with this. So he goes, okay, let me go work harder. So going into the next business idea, honestly, it made me love him. And it, ma- it makes us love him because he he found out in Newburyport, which is such a great name for a town, they had a problem with cats. And they had too Aww. many strays on the street. And it was bothering the townspeople. So they, the townspeople they got all together. Because they're simple they're, things. They're, we can't judge them. We they're can't judge stupid. them. The townspeople put to a vote to exterminate the cats. And they mm, the okay. the people voted no, that they would not do that. That's not the path Good. they would take. They were yep. petting the cats with one hand and raising their hands to exterminate them with the other. Mm-hmm. Is that, yes, is that pretty what much. happened? Pretty much. But they didn't do no, it. No, they're not so. exterminating them. <clears throat> but they're not exterminating yeah. them. So mm. the next day, Dexter... The businessman and ingenue he was, he put an ad in the paper mm. promising to buy up all the street cats and treat them well. Aww. <clears throat> yep. So what he did was so smart because he put the cats on his boat and he sailed them to the Caribbean. I know this sounds really bad to boats. do, but he no, sailed no, no. to cats the Caribbean. Cats love boats. And they, yes, that's why in the beginning I was talking about all the cats on the boat, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Then I was wondering he, what that was. He sold them into the warehouses so they could deal with the rat infestations. And I was like, oh, my God, like what an even more genius. And the cats were treated super well because they helped take care of the rat problems. And so they were all fed. They had a beautiful house. He sold and and the warehouse owners like paid top dollar for cats. So he made even more money doing good for the cats. Wow. Who is this person? Look, I'm intrigued. I I know that my my feelings towards him are a bowling pin about to get fucking smashed down right now. But I'm just going to say I'm rooting for the bowling pin. Okay? Like yeah. I'm on his side for right sure. now. For sure? Yeah. So at the at this point no matter what he did, he didn't fit in with them. They still didn't like him. They still were just like he's just a poor boy from a poor family and they could not, ex- you know, accept who he'd come. <laughs> So he's just too good for them. So he had a 
few last tricks up his sleeves. He decided that if he wanted to get the respect he deserved, he would have to have a title. So this is the first trick. He paid every kid that addressed him as the Earl of Chester, which he just had moved to recently. So every adult that did this. Yep. Earl Grey. Yep. And every adult was taken for dinner and drinks if they addressed him as the Earl of Chester. Wow. So he just was like, I'm just going to pay for it now that I have all this money and I keep making more. So I'll be an Earl, whatever. The Lord of Chester. Lord Earl of Chester was what he wanted people to call him. So at that time, finally, people started, you know, being like, oh, I respect you. He started getting the respect he deserves. People started inviting him over for parties and for tea. I mean, he was a little late for the Boston Tea Party, but, you know, (laughs) as his circle grew, he grew suspicious that people were just hanging out with him for his money. Duh. (laughs) Obviously. I'm starting to think maybe these guys don't just like me. After just paying them to call him this thing he was like oh now i'm getting weary that these people are are paying for or want me to pay them for their services and for hanging out so he decided well i'm going to pretend that i died that'll show me who my real friends are what the fuck so he planned a huge funeral with pomp and stance and everything in between he had over three thousand guests and he paid and and instructed his family how to act so they because they knew he wasn't dead like his family had just seen him they knew he wasn't dead they were so cool with this he, they were just like well he's paying me so whatever he bribed yeah. him yeah <laughs> so this would not turn out how you expect because literally not 30 minutes after the funeral the crowd of people found him in the kitchen beating his wife with a cane <laughs> he was beating his wife with a cane and he did it. He did it because he said she had been laughing and having fun with her friends and not acting sad. Uh, oh my god! There's the turning point right there. <laughs> yeah, you just got my bowling pin right there. Yep. Oh my god! He then and only then got the notoriety he was seeking, but not as a great mm. businessman, a magnate, or a badass mofo. He was called a buffoon and a wife beater. And he wow. died not more than six months after that stunt. <gasps> His last invention was a sleeveless, low-cut neck, white-fitting shirt, a T-shirt that soldiers eventually made famous in tanks mm-hmm. that they would call a tank top. Yep. It was also known as the wife beater. <laughs> he had called it a T-shirt for Timothy shirt. So that kind of works out, you know? He's like, hey, these are my favorite shirts. I'm gonna call them Timothy shirts. Yeah. <laughs> this is this this story this story is like an exaggeration of Joey of like you when you helped Selena and I move into the house like about a month ago. Um every single time that you fell while you were helping us carry so much shit into the house, you only fell on the softest things we owned. Oh yeah, that's like it was right, just yeah. like I keep filing on the Oh like, shit. Yeah. Like, it's like raining, you're carrying a fucking, like, you know, I don't know, that a washing machine down a slippery metal ramp. Totally fine. You're walking a couch on a beautifully sunny day. The couch maybe weighs 100 pounds. There's two people carrying it. And you're like, oh, no. And you, like, fall and, like, cartoonishly stumble. And you're just like, oh. And, like, drop your arm up on the end of the couch. And you're just like, oops, I fell into luxury. Like, yeah. every fuck I watch that happen, 
at least 20 times. I, I feel exactly like the neighbors did in this story. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Moving on into another person who decided, maybe I can get away with faking my own death. We come to the mm. story of one Bell Gunnis. The coolest name Ooh. that I think I've ever heard. Yep. So Bell Gunnis was born as Brynhild Paulstadter Storset on November 11th, 1859 in Selbu, Norway. She immigrated to Chicago in 1881 at 22 years old. There is not a whole lot about her early life that is there, except that her father bought a farm in Norway, and she decided she wanted to move to Chicago. So she, it's not she much, like, honestly. It smells like cow shit. I want to move. Yeah, yeah. And again, just like the last guy, she had big dreams. So when she moved to Chicago, she worked as a maid and then got a job as a butcher. So, yeah, she was described as 5'7", around 200 pounds, and built very, very, very muscular. So she is huge and very intimidating to a lot of people. So it was here that she met her first husband, Mads Deltlev Anton Sorensen, or I will call him from now on, Albert Sorensen, much easier. Um, a lot of these names are from their home Norway. It's where most of them are from. So they have like, like eight six syllables names. I've never heard together. Yeah, they have six names, and it's really interesting. Just like just just have two. I know sometimes their names mean that they that's what their occupation was. So that kind of adds into their name. Um, so they married in in 1884, and not long after they married, they opened a candy store together. The candy store, however, was not doing well. And instead of working on the store and making the store work, they had taken out an insurance policy on the store. And the store magically burned down. And boom, they received the insurance money. Yep. Belle told... (laughs) She told the insurance... She's super flammable. It's true. But she told the insurance investigators that a kerosene lamp was the reason the fire started. But investigators never found the lamp. And they just went... Eh, it's fine. And they gave him the money. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very important lesson for her. So, using that money, Belle and her husband purchased a house. And not long after they had that house, it too burned to the ground. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> they Damn. collected the money from that. Wow. <laughs> so, it wouldn't end there. Their tragedy wouldn't end there. Two of their children died in infancy of acute colitis, which most people mm. around assumed that she had food, that she had poisoned them. So they kind of guessed that she had poisoned them because acute because colitis. Both of the children burned down. Both of the children burned down. Yes. <laughs> acute colitis is only caused by either a temporary infection or food intolerance. And so normally if it stops happening, it usually goes away within a week or two. So it's not really that bad. So, Knowing that, she definitely killed them because oh my she goodness. kept feeding them poison. She killed her own Wait. kids? She killed two kids, yep. For money? No, she killed her former employees of the candy shop. So, <laughs> colitis. They were, <laughs> they were infants. They were infants, too. Wow. So, they had... No the, loss. Re- the reason she did it is because she put an insurance policy on both of her kids. <laughs> so Damn. sick. Get that money. Yes. It is an it is incredible to me that insurance agencies like as a concept 
survived long enough to evolve to be the overly paranoid fuck you we're not going to pay you for what you've been paying us for for years Mm -hmm. situation that they are right now there are a handful of of like good insurance policy like providers and stuff out there shout out to joey's dad very long time um but but i'm just saying like there's a handful it's almost like like going to a new mechanic in a town you've never been to you were like are they just going to break this shit on my car and charge me for it or are they being honest i don't fucking know what's a tire you know like you just Mm -hmm. don't know when you go in there at least i don't but like okay so so this is interesting to me for for like one reason i really need to point this out it's not just my delirium um so in the first story timothy was just like accidentally falling into the the best possible financial investments and endeavors that he could Mm -hmm. possibly fucking make in his life all at the encouragement of his his 'er ne'er-do-well neighbors right Mm -hmm. that was the that was the first scenario this scenario is people realizing that if they fall into expectations that do end badly they can make money. I feel like this second scenario, this Bell Gunner scenario, is more modern America. Oops, my bank closed. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. just like, oh no, what is Silicon Valley gonna do? Like it's mm-hmm. just like, ah, we don't got the money, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we got your back, we got your back. Government jumps in, boom, boom, boom. Everybody's fucking happy besides the people working for him which is everybody. Yeah. Um, so like, this is the transition to modern America. First time people were doing it by mistake. Second time it was meant to look like it was a mistake. Yep. This is, this is good. This is good. I'm, I'm here so, for it. Yeah. So it, it's insurance won't stop there. She was big in insurance fraud. So Bell Gunnis put two insurance policies on her husband. Well, he put them on himself. So she convinced him to do, the first one, which he already had, which, which he, he did, which was kind of a lower policy. It wasn't that great. She convinced him to do a much, 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 much larger insurance policy. Like $6. <laughs> Probably six to 6000 something very huge. So while they the policies were going, so one was set to end and one was set to start. And she was like, you know what, like is is a good thing because you don't want them to lapse. You don't want to not have insurance on you during a certain time. She had them cross over. So at the time, they both overlapped each other. And the last one, the the smaller one was about to expire. Albert just seemingly died of heart failure. Oh, my God. Shit. So Bell also convinced the coroners not to do an autopsy much to the chagrin of Albert's family, who pushed so much, thinking something was wrong, to do a court, to, to do an autopsy, and they never did it. Wow. So she ended up collecting both insurance policies, and she was set up for a while. But knowing her, she wasn't set. Wow. So she mm. purchased a new home, a farm, on the outskirts of Laporte, Indiana, with the insurance money. She moved there in 1901 with a few children she adopted. So she adopted some children. So probably to get money down the line somehow. <laughs> she I don't just know. adopted a gang of children. Yeah, she had three. She had three. Three. What children are you guys doing? Getting the truck. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much just on the street. She just picked him up. So in 1902, she married her her the namesake. She married Peter Gunnis. And so this is when mm. she actually that's the name she kept because that was her last husband. So she kept that name and he brought with him two daughters. So he had a had an older daughter that was like teens and one younger daughter that was like uh, six to eight years old. So a few months after they were married, Peter's youngest daughter died. No. Yep. Was it a heart failure candy shop accident? Uh, she died. Uh, a plague. She died randomly. I don't remember how she died. She died of. Oh, okay. It so say, yeah. it wasn't having heart failure mm-hmm. inside of a burning candy shop. She was. She was good. Could have been. Well, she 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 okay. hit it very well. So and then eight months after Peter and Belle had married, he died. <laughs> so Peter Gunnis died as Bell put it, that he was reaching for something so high on the shelf and a meat grinder fell on his head. Oh my God. A meat grinder fell on his head. And so again, the coroners were like, okay, so this is the second time in like two years that she's had a husband that's about to die. Uh, that died. Even, so like, chill about it. No. And so they they actually like did like a little test to see if she was telling the truth. They found out that it couldn't possibly have happened like that. And then just were like, eh, you know what? Whatever. It's fine. And then didn't go after it anymore. And so she just walked away. Wow. What you're not including is they literally tied her to a pole <laughs> and threw her into the water and she floated. Yeah. She and so she didn't fucking die. floated. She yeah, was good. So she, she was good. She was cool. Yep. God saved her. Yep, yep, true. And so after this, you know, a lot of people know about the Lonely Hearts ads, which was her famous signature. So she started putting ads in newspapers calling uh, Norwegian men that were traveling to the U.S. to marry her. So the ad stated she was a wealthy widow looking for a, quote, good, kind, and reliable man to marry. (laughs) Right? Yep, you up. (laughs) They're sliding into her DMs all the time. So I I don't really want to go into all the murders because we last week we've had so many murders. I just can't deal with uh, going into the actual murders of the men that they found out. And there wasn't super a lot of information on those either because, you know, she didn't talk about Mm -hmm. it. So um, so Bell's Grift brought in many men and it was rumored that around 30 to 40 men came to visit and stay with her forever. So Belle would invite men to stay with her, but making sure they bring in large sums of money and all their valuables. In the letters that they would like pass on, like she would tell them things to tell their family. Like I got a different job in a different state. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I'm just, you know, leaving. Don't contact me. And she'd be like, okay, so what I want you to do is take out all of your money, Mm. get all of your valuables, and then move here. And Mm -hmm. I think there was, like, one person that was, like, kind of giving her a hard time about it. Like, he didn't really want to. And, yeah. Yeah. So she was a murderer. Yes. Who was that wannabe barrel salesman that I wrote an entire episode about who's a serial killer, hit all the bodies? And I've been saying, I think since episode two, I... Bella, Bella Kish. Kish. Yep, yep. Yes. Okay, that's a Bella Kish fucking move right there. Yep. And Damn. so what was awesome is that during this time, after they would 
murder him, mm. the guy, and it was her, and she had a few others. Wasn't ever said that anybody else really, in quotations, helped her, but, I mean, she was muscular, super muscular, so she didn't have any problems. But she would also poison them, so she poisoned them mm. to death. Um, it was easier for her to do it that way. Um, and <laughs> less, it, very much easier for her. So they would write the families too, like what Selena was talking about after they died saying that they left. I mean, wouldn't she have them write the letters though? I don't remember if she did. I think, I think because a lot of people said that they thought it weird that they talk like that. And so Mm -hmm. I do think that she wrote the letters to them. I mean, there wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't wholly specified who actually wrote the letters, but I think that, but some of the families said that it was very weird the, the way that they sounded and the way that they talked. So I think mm-hmm. that in just looking into it, I think that she wrote the letters, maybe with the help of one of the people, the, the hands at the house or something like that, mm-hmm. help write the letters. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't want to, again, I don't want to go into all the murders, but I do want to go into the last one because it was her last one. In 1908, a lonely man named Andrew Hegelin was, I think how you say that Hegelin. And uh, he saw the ad in the newspaper and thought, why not? I'd love to meet a lonely, wealthy widow. Uh, also want to ask guys, what do you think Bell Gunness's app would be called? Uh, I think it would be called Grifter. Ooh. Instead Ooh. of Grinder. Oh, Instead of Grinder, it'd be called Grifter. Mm. Mm. It'd be called Murder. Yes, without the E, though. Fuck. Yeah, it'll be M-R-D-R. I have no idea. Yep. I, I, I don't know what the app would be called. But I know that every time it loaded, it would just be like, you can ring my bell. <laughs> and you'd that be like, yeah, about to get laid tonight. Mm-hmm. But then actually you'd just be fucking throwing up white vomit while this lady is just fucking writing a letter trying to sound like you in front of you for like probably like two and a It would be an awkward period of time. It wouldn't be like a five second thing and you just die. You'd be watching this for like an hour as you're choking out. So Belle, you know, trying to trap Andrew into coming to the house, she said she wrote him a letter that said, "My heart beats in rapture for you. Come prepared to stay forever." Yeah. Like the the literal the literal like innuendo in those are just amazing to me. So indeed, he would stay there forever. He was one of the last murders she would commit, and the only reason she had people coming around because Andrew's brother Aisley, I think. A-S-L-E. I wouldn't think that's Isle. I think it's Aisley. These names died Mm -hmm. for a reason. Yeah. Had been in constant contact with Andrew. So when Andrew stopped answering his letters, he got very worried. He'd started demanding answers. And and demanding answers, by the way, they're sending letters back and forth to each other. So it's like they're sitting there like jamming the pen down on the thing and then yeah. waits for like weeks to get an answer. So they're yeah. sitting so Bell answered, you know, very easy to take time to write up excuses. So Bell mm-hmm. answered, "Well, mm-hmm. he might have moved back to Chicago or gone back to Norway." Mm-hmm. So he was buried underneath the house. And at this point she was Belle was having problems with a farmhand that she had hired named Ray Lampier. Ray had fallen in love with Belle. Yeah, she was so, having sex with him. Mm-hmm. It yep. was like her living sex buddy. 
Yep, it was easy. It was it was better for her because she didn't want to sleep with the her griffs, you know. She mm-hmm. because they're all she can older. Lay Ray all day. Yeah, but like she just needs to get these griffs moving. Yep, she got that Ray I lay. So eventually, though, Ray and and what Bell said is Ray was getting jealous of her. So Ray, so Bell fired Ray from the farm. After she did that, she found out like Ray was talking to other farmhands around the area because he got a job to a, a neighbor close to her. But cleverly wrote a letter to her attorney stating that Ray was extremely jealous of her and wanted the land and also wanted her hand. <laughs> but because she, she wouldn't marry him, he said he would burn down the house with everyone in it. And that was her letter she dropped off at the attorney's. And I guess you can see where this is going. As she dropped the letter off at the attorney's house, she went and bought toys for the children and some kerosene. Jesus. <laughs> that Jesus. same night, the house burned up in flames. So they found the bodies of the three children first, which they also said that once they did autopsies later, the three children were drugged first. Mm-hmm. And so that they just died in the house. Burnt. And uh, so she got what she wanted because at first they blamed Ray. So they blamed Ray who started to start that he started the fire. And so they also, yeah, you know, Ray King. I love it. So they also found the body of a lady and they, at first they thought it was her, but they looked at the height and the build and it was very much shorter. The build was like a five, one, five, two build and height. And the build was very slender so they still assumed it was her because they're like, whatever, you know, case closed. We don't have to deal with it. So later on, they actually did DNA evidence and they said that they could not confirm that it was her, meaning that it wasn't her. I always found it suspicious that they found this lady buried six feet deep in a yard with a stone with her name above the ground. Like, but they found her there. Very sus, you know, like, very much. So, so who was it? The, it they, they, they think that it was uh, a lady, a friend of hers or a neighbor that she just invited to the house and kind of trapped her there, drugged her, and then oh. burned oh. the house. Because she was such a good grifter, honestly, because like nobody in the mm-hmm. town suspected anything. Uh, you know, like it, where, when she moved so to the farm, obvious. people stopped suspecting. Yeah, it's so obvious. They were like, oh, they, even though people were coming in out of the house, they're just like whatever it's okay she died that was like 1908 1910 or something around there so later on in 1931 a woman named esther carlson was arrested in los angeles for poisoning her husband her husband was a norwegian american and she was trying to steal his money and she looked eerily similar to bell gunness and also carried a, with her a picture of three children who also looked very similar to her kids that burned in the house fire. Wow. I always, but, I always said, don't trust the Norwegians. Right? And before she could go to trial, she died of tuberculosis. Damn. Every time. Literally. She, the grip. She got the grift. Every time. The grift was done. Yep. She got arrested and was like, uh, her body was like, I'm done. Cool. Uh, <laughs> well. Oh, so nuts. <laughs> Bell Gunness. Great grifter. So, moving into our next case. The next case is they're a bit shorter because a little less information on them. 
and a bit weirder circumstances. So let's start moving to our modern day. So William Groth, he was a Nashville attorney who, much like Bell Gunnis, attempted to defraud a life insurance company by faking his own death. So William Groth disappeared on November 19th, 2008. Yeah. So during... What a year. During that evening, his Blackberry, his jewelry, and his credit card... Where you get the Blackberry from in the intro, too. (laughs) And his jorts were found tied up in a plastic bag on a random lawn in a home in South Fifth Street Avenue. Fifth Street in Franklin County. So police found that. It's uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville. Yeah, he's a Nashville attorney. Literally, for anybody who wasn't alive at the time or there, that sounds like some shit that would happen in 2008. Yep. So later that night, police had found his Honda Civic parked in a park near the Cumberland River boat ramp. So Cumberland River in Nashville, all the very similar uh, famous spots there. So at this time, the police were looking for him and they launched a drag and a search of the river. So they basically had divers go down there checking everything out. They threw some nets in there to try to drag stuff out. And the only thing they found on the riverside was a hat and a wallet. And they also found a leather jacket that was actually in the river, which was his. So all this stuff he threw out. So a couple days later, the police received a phone call from the supposed murderer of William Groth, claiming that he had murdered him. So the police being like, this is pretty weird because that never happens in, mm-hmm. for this random guy. They used a voice analyzer on the call because he used a voice modulator. They found out that it was literally William Groth calling and telling them that he murdered himself. Oh, my God. So good move. They they found him at a hotel, which he called from in Montana (laughs) and which he had checked in under his wife's maiden name. So he had a family, too. So this was like a really crazy thing. He stayed there and even helped cook the staff dinner. (laughs) So he was like this big guy in this town. I mean, he was nice to the people. But so mm-hmm. <laughs> he was caught and given probation for five years. Oh and then God. paid Wait, back what? the money. Yep. Probation for five uh, years and paid back the all? money. That's all. And pay back the Metro Police the $11,000 that it cost for him to get searched for. So we got one more story. And this one is actually a bit more mystic. Might be true, might not be. We'll see. But it is an amazing story, and I love it. So the next story is Jacot de la Haye. So Jacot de la Haye, or Back from the Dead Red, was her nickname. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, This is a much more interesting story because some people believe this is just a legend, and some people believe she actually existed. She was born somewhere in the 1600s around Haiti. So... What is told about her young life is that her mother died in childbirth, giving birth to her. Her father was brutally murdered when she was very young. So in order to put food on the table, she had a disabled brother. She turned to piracy. As you would at this time. Honestly, fully legit in a situation like that where you're growing up. Yep. And in Haiti. That's the closest outlet you... Yeah. 
if that is the closest outlet you have to some semblance of like stability, relief, growth. Sorry, what? Like you're taking it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yep. Damn. Yeah. A hard start. So there weren't a lot of opportunities for her, you know, in Haiti at this time for especially young girls. So she had to do what she could. Before long, she made a huge name for herself on the high seas, robbing and pillaging ships that would come in the trade route at the time. So at this time in Haiti is a French. The French had colonized this. They had colonized most of the island and they created a lot of sugarcane plantations. So this meant the island would be the biggest slave trade hub in the world. So everyone was coming through Haiti and this island to get to the other places. So the smaller ships that would come in, she would take them. Um, She would eventually become despised by the other pirate crews and captains because she was so good at it at a very young age. And they were very jealous that she could do this so easily and not be caught. So she teamed up with another female captain named Anne de Levey. They put a small team together to start raiding small boats that would come to the isles. They would just go after the small boats, you know, because the bigger boats are obviously covered and guarded by French warships. So as they started gaining notoriety together, the local government, French government, was now chasing them down. Also, they were being chased down by the other pirates because they put a price on her head, too. So oh, damn. She, she couldn't sustain this life, obviously, obviously. because she's being pr- hunted by people who are working with her, and she's being hunted by people that are working against her. So mm-hmm. it was time to fake her death. During a big naval battle she was having, she just pretended to be one of the people killed. I mean, and she died. ow, it hit me. Yeah, and she died. <laughs> And so she just fell overboard and just floated away and she retired. She retired and she created an alias and she um, she became a man. Oh, my God. And that God. way she like. Genius. This is a 100 percent legitimate scenario to fake your own death. Yeah. I'm just going to so say she, that. That's how you she do dressed it. as a man. She 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 put her hair up. She like lowered her voice to talk more like uh, in a manly era in this time in the 1600s. Isn't there so a she could blend in. So she could blend in and also have freedom. And have a little more freedom, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So after a few years of being retired, you know, as you would, most people get bored. So she couldn't just sit on the couch and watch all these things being plundered. The mm-hmm. seas were calling. <laughs> so she scraped together about hundred other pirates so obviously jesus titty yeah. fucking christ what a hundred other a hundred joey pirates. do you know how long it would take me i'm not even on an island right yep. like i'm inland here but we all are but like how long would it take any of us to gather 100 people we're celebrating getting like a hundred spotify like subscribers like jesus christ that's and i'm you just know saying what? she was a badass yeah. And you know what? She did it the same way. She just went on their phones mm. and she made us follow mm-hmm. them. So, and she went, okay, cool. Like now I have a hundred followers. So she got a hundred yeah. pirates by like putting up flyers, you know, the way they would do talking to her friends, her ex pirate friends, codes. QR yeah. codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, yeah. So she sure. donned the name because, uh-huh. because she had long red hair, striking red hair. She don- got donned the name back from the dead red. So, because nice. they all oh, thought she died, she cool. you know, solid fucking yeah. name. And she had, they Damn, all thought she was dead name. because she, was, she didn't want anybody to know. But as she was coming, mm-hmm. she couldn't. They knew who it was, 
because she was striking mm-hmm. red hair. They all knew that was her. So she couldn't hide anymore. So mm-hmm. she took a bunch Uh-oh. of boats and a lot of sailors. She mm-hmm. just needed a place mm-hmm. to stay. So Jacotte took her boats and assailed the island of Tortuga. Oh, Tortuga. So the port got taken over by pirates. And so she used that as her home. Eventually, it got attacked by other pirates. And she oh. died defending it. Actually died defending it instead of faking it. She died mm. defending it then. Aww. Yeah. I mean, likely wow. story. Maybe she just retired again. But mm-hmm. yep. I believe the, the last letter she sent to, to her mom, who actually managed to still be alive at the time, was, find me in Washington. Mm-hmm. My name will be Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> continued on just reincarnated you know what? mad respect mad yeah. respect no she was honestly, a badass yeah she was a badass uh-huh. honestly right like i want a day dedicated to her like first off like we got like blackbeard and shit like that where it's just like wow you were able to name the color of the hair on my face mm-hmm. cool she's fucking red dead fucking like coming in fucking naming video games hundreds of years before they come out (laughs) like faking her death left right left right fucking what what need a small army got you like hundreds of people fucking show up when she shows up like she's fucking solid i I don't see anything wrong that she did at any point in the story there's a thing that was really cool too so before she before she got notoriety as like the huge pirate that she was she was actually in a really huge battle um naval battle and she became like a a hero because she did a lot of stuff to help defend the ships as well so from Mm -hmm. such an early age she was just skilled some people have it you know some people just have that skill that were uh like bell gunnis is a grifter you know she had Mm -hmm. that skill Mm -hmm. from an early age um she just knew how to work the seas she knew how to inspire people she knew how to collect people to to work together so that was like a huge thing that she did so there's one thing i've learned from reading all these stories it's that it's technically not illegal to fake your own death most people do it for illicit reasons like like tax evasion or insurance fraud but the actual april right you need to tell us this information well it's illegal to do that (laughs) <laughs> but it's not actually illegal to do it if you're just faking your own death. I would argue that changing your name is very similar. You know, your your information yeah. legally follows you, but people, you know, changing your Facebook name, people aren't going to be able to find you anymore. That's kind of the faking Hell your no. death nowadays. So no one can find me. While we here at the Black Cat Report do not condone doing so, especially if you've seen that Friends episode where Ross fakes his own death and sees a hot girl come to his funeral then pops out of nowhere, then she leaves because, well, Ross is pretty freaking creepy anyways. So That's in our you, homework yeah. this week. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be like Ross and don't have a band of pirates chasing after you for the price on your head, then just legally change your name. You could change it to Selena, Betsabe, Gil, or even Joey. Thank you so much for listening to the Black Cat Report and our episode on people who fake their own deaths. This was a fun one to research and tell. Don't take our word for it. Listen to our sponsors, Timothy's Mouse Trousers. Hi, everyone. I'm Timothy from Timothy Mouse Trousers. Or Mousers is what I call them. 
There's nothing more relaxing than faking your own death and popping on the black cap report while you watch the funeral. I support them 100%. Well, we here at the Black Cat Report do not condone any action Timothy has taken except for the saving of the cats. Anyways, join us next week for some more Black Cat Report action, and we'll see you on the other side.